It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast, your weekly dose of talking about watching soccer on TV, online and apps. Coming up on episode 67, we discuss a range of issues and topics, including the latest uh, Champions League uh, games, uh, also news about ESPN+, Plus, uh, Bleacher Report Live, uh, bringing you the Champions League next season and much, much more. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined today by uh, Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, how are you? I'm doing quite well. Thanks, uh, Chris. Uh, I hope you're doing well. Yeah, and, and, and listeners, apologize. I have to apologize for uh, some technical difficulties uh, last week for uh, the episode not being released. Uh, it happens every once in a blue moon. And Kartik, speaking of blue moon, let's go, let's go backwards <laughs> in time <laughs> uh, from what we've been watching uh, from this past week. And let's kick off with uh, the Liverpool-Manchester City game in the Champions League. Um, first of all, uh, I know we, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Did you get a chance to watch this because it was on FS2, not FS1? Yeah, so we have an issue in my office where we don't have FS2. So finally, um, one of our uh, uh, Liverpool fans in the office had rigged a uh, computer or done the AV cord and gotten FS2 on the big screen. But many of us still went out to a local uh, pub in, in downtown Miami or the Brickell area of Miami, which is uh, you know, kind of an extension of downtown. Um And uh, including Paul Daglish, uh, who, of course, is the son of Kenny Daglish and brother of Kelly Cates. Uh, so that was really neat to watch a Liverpool match with Paul Daglish, among other kind of celebrities and journalists. It was a, it was kind of a star-studded crowd there. Uh, and uh, got to watch the match uh, sitting and getting some analysis from Paul Daglish, that, which was just uh, neat. By the way, he is the manager of Miami FC now, for those who don't know, uh, in, in the U.S. lower divisions. But uh, was a, uh, a whitewash of a match. Uh, obviously, uh, I had had my concerns coming in from the city perspective because Klopp's teams had tended to play uh, better against uh, Guardiola's uh, teams going back to Dortmund versus uh, Bayern than any other uh, manager's uh, team because of the high pressing and the ability to create quick turnovers when Guardiola's teams were playing out, out of the back, quick changes of possession three, four pass sequences that lead to goals or at least uh, shots on target. And there's also the, the issue of Anfield for Manchester City. This has not been talked about enough. I know I raise it every time 
every season when City goes to Anfield. Manchester City's last victory at Anfield was in 2003 when Nicholas Anelka scored, who had played for Liverpool the previous season, scored two goals in stoppage time. Uh, Manchester City has not won at Anfield since then. With uh, uh, That was with Kevin Keegan, obviously, former Liverpool great as the Manchester City manager. Chris, think about this. Manchester City has won at Old Trafford six times. Supposedly, Manchester United is on a higher plateau than Liverpool. At least we're, we're like to believe that uh, from most around the game. Manchester City has won at Old Trafford, I repeat, six times since the last win at Anfield. Manchester City has won at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea wins the title, it seems, every other season in, in England. Ma- Manchester City has won at Stamford Bridge four times since winning at Anfield. It's a house of horrors already. And score lines like 3-0 are actually somewhat familiar. The City went to uh, to Liverpool and got smashed 3-0 at Anfield uh, five days before going to Wembley and beating Manchester United under Roberto Mancini in the FA Cup semifinal. So um, there's just it's become a bogey team in addition to being European royalty. So you're talking about the toughest place to play in Europe, potentially on a European night uh, against a, a, a team whose manager uh, has the best record against your manager of any manager on uh, on the planet. And you've got this bogey aspect. Uh, if you factor that all in, you really shouldn't be surprised by the result. Uh, but it was still a little bit shocking because Manchester City showed none of the uh, incisive passing or uh, quality on the ball and patience on the ball, importantly, mm-hmm. that we've seen from them throughout the season. Martin Tyler summed this up perfectly. I think after the third goal, he said uh, during the commentary for this match, he said, we expected something extraordinary, but nothing like this. And uh, I, I guess for the kind of the, the neutral, like someone like myself, uh, now, Kartik, you're probably going into this match thinking, OK, actually, Manchester City is going to face a tough test. And you probably wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool would, would win this match. Right. As a neutral myself, I was kind of thinking in terms of league form, how these teams are, how Liverpool have been... Um, Weak defensively, giving letting letting up goals. So I I was surprised. I I was surprised by how Man Man City came out in this match, and I was surprised how well Liverpool came out. But the one thing though, Kartik, is that um, everyone was talking about this game pre-match with the whole bus incident, uh, even uh, pre-game on uh, Fox FS1 or FS2 on on the uh, pre-game coverage, talking about everything, the build-up to this game, and yet. It's on FS2, not FS1. You were lucky enough to be able to watch it uh, in a nearby uh, pub to watch it there. And I'm sure a lot of people that were there probably were eh, probably fans that like to enjoy a game in a pub atmosphere. But many of them probably weren't able to get uh, FS2 also. So that's the thing, though, Kartik. I mean, from the Barcelona-Roma game, I had that on two at home. I had it on Fubo. So I had uh, one monitor, the FS1, and the other one, FS2. And the Barcelona game was went pretty much according to script. Uh, actually, a couple of own goals. Um, so Barcelona goes on to win it three nothing, pretty comfortably. I, I wasn't expecting any, anything different. I will be extremely interested to see what these TV numbers are uh, next week for these for these games because FS2 has such a small viewership uh, number of subscribers. Uh, FS1 obviously is pretty large, but I'll, I'll be curious to see how close it was in terms of the final viewing numbers. Then again, if it's a big, big uh, gulf between the two and there's not that many watching uh, FS2 for Liverpool Man City, I wonder how many of those people went ahead and went to a bar or watched it illegally. Um, that's Unfortunately, I, I still don't get what Fox's, uh, why they did it this way, uh, other than to try to boost FS2 numbers, but Everyone knows that FS2 is kind of a, 
a wasteland of TV, TV viewing for the most part. Now, Kartik, I have to ask you, though, too. So I know I, I looked on Twitter and I saw your opinion about this weekend's Man United game uh, against Man City. And you're thinking in terms of uh, for Pep to go ahead and play the, play the youngsters. I mean, the big game really is next week for Manchester City. The Champions League is the, the one crown that, that they need to get. So they need to focus all efforts on the second leg. And I could easily see Man City coming back and actually scoring some goals at home and making this a really nervy uh, affair next week. But what do you think Pep's going to do in this uh, Manchester, Manchester derby this uh, weekend where Manchester City could win the title? Yeah, there's a lot of external pressure, right? Because you can wrap up a trophy and you're playing Manchester United, who, as I said earlier, Manchester City regularly beats. They don't regularly beat Liverpool. Uh, they, they don't even regularly beat Liverpool at home, actually, uh, in, in the last uh, in this era. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Uh, just one more stat to throw out you. Manchester City has finished ahead of Liverpool. Uh, this will be the ninth successive season. Manchester City would have finished ahead of Liverpool in the Premier League. Yet uh, during that period, I... I, I believe Manchester City has a far worse record against Liverpool home and away than they do against United, Chelsea, um, maybe not Arsenal. Arsenal's been a tough one also until this season. But um, you're regular beating, regularly beating Manchester United anyway. So, uh, And you know Mourinho is probably not going to be adventurous with his team selection. He's probably not going to play uh, an aggressive style of football. Now, maybe you you, you, you make a couple of changes uh, to the team, freshen up the squad with some younger players, uh, particularly a guy like Phil Foden, who I think would be amazing for him to play in a Manchester derby, being from Stockport. Uh, he's being called the Stockport Javi or the Stockport Iniesta. I think it's the Stockport Iniesta uh, because he plays kind of, you know, a little bit in a wider position, uh, wider attacking position. So, that's what I would do and, um, and, and and give the guys who look like they have a lot of tread on their tires some rest, particularly maybe David Silva, um, as much as he'd want to play in the derby. Uh, I, if Aguero's not fit, Jesus is going to have to give you possibly 120 minutes on, uh, on Tuesday. So yeah, maybe you sit him and you play without a, a, a pure number nine. Um, as far as Raheem Sterling's concerned, I think you need to get his confidence back up because he's going to play an important part. I know there are psychological reasons you don't want to play him at Anfield. We've seen how that's blown up in the past for him. Uh, and and I, I think I would change a lot of the team with, with the uh, with the with an eye on Tuesday. Um, I know he's probably not going to do that. Yeah. But but I do think he will be more strategic in his tactics. He won't admit it, but there will be some squad rotation. Okay. Yeah, I was I was talking to a City fan last night when we were discussing this, and at first I thought, okay, I mean, play the youngsters this weekend, and then for the Champions League uh, second leg next week, then go in strong. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? Uh, if I was a manager, I would just go 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 for a hell for leather this weekend against uh, United, win the title, and just with that confidence and and with that uh, feel good factor, go into that second leg and just you I mean go gangbusters, just trying to do whatever you can, and it's it's the two biggest games of, of the season. If they go through, win win Saturday, I mean that will always re be remem remembered in history. 
winning the title against United and then a comeback against Liverpool and, and advance into the semi-finals, that would be huge. And then after that point, uh, you mean take, you put the brakes on a little bit and then start playing the youngsters a little bit and, and just try to recover. It, it'll be fascinating. And, and that's the thing too, Kartik. At the end of the day, this is the game that everyone was talking about. And I still can't believe that Fox did this and had it on FS2, which is ridiculous. We don't know yet uh, which games next week will be on FS1 and FS2. Uh, both Barcelona, Roma and Liverpool, Man City are going to be on the same day. And you would think that Liverpool, Man City would be on FS, FS1 for the replay, oh, for the second leg. But uh, with Fox, you never know. Yeah, another question here about Fox. Uh, it seemed like they were pulling back from that mistake, if you want to call it that, uh, right away where you had Rob Stone and Alexi Lawless giving voiceovers leading into the game, into the match, uh, and then right away at full time. Now, obviously, they they, they, they had a full halftime studio show for Barcelona-Roma, which they did not have for Liverpool-Manchester City, but normally you don't hear their voices at all on an FS2 uh, broadcast. So I think there was already kind of a, a, a concession by Fox that, okay, this was a, a bad, a, a, not a bad situation, but how would I put it? This is a complicated situation. We're going to need to have our, uh, our our marquee voices somehow heard on this this telecast. Yeah, the, the, the thing with that is, and again, I was watching it uh, on Fubo, and sometimes there's a little bit of a delay on Fubo, but I had it side by side, and it looked like the Man City-Liverpool match actually started off about 30 seconds later than the actual, uh, the other match, the Barcelona-Roma game, which we know cause, because of UEFA, all the games kick off at exactly the same time. So they might, they, Fox may have actually delayed showing just yeah just to give uh, rob stone and lexi that uh, opportunity to do the lead-in and and then it's kind of you mean to to most viewers they're just watching one either channel they're not watching both at the same time they may not have noticed that um the other thing too is also having martin tyler and clive allen as commentators instead of i don't know keith costigan and, and and warren barton which Fox would have done probably in the past too. So they went with the world feed, probably thinking rather than get any more, any more abuse than they've already gotten, this at least put put some good commentators on there. Well, not not good commentators, but this put the, the and they English sent, commentators on. And they had sent Keith Costigan to Anfield. So, um, well, no, they didn't. A, I, he he posted a picture. So he posted a picture on Twitter, looking like he was at Anfield. Just a picture of the corner flag, I think it was. But he and somebody said like, "Are you at Anfield?" And he said, "No, no, I'm not." So, oh, but, but it, it, I, got, I got confused by that. Yeah, too. me too, me too. But it, it it did look like he was he was there, but he wasn't trying to trick anyone. He he just posted a picture of Anfield and the corner flag. So um, the other thing interesting about this one, Kartik, is uh, Clive Allen. I thought Clive did a fantastic job co-commentating, not just this game, but also the Palace uh, Liverpool game on Saturday. The Palace Liverpool game. Um, the co-commentary by Clive Allen was fantastic. A lot of the times there were some key refereeing decisions in that game. And Clive Allen was really quick to give praise to the referees, but also his analysis of the game was spot on. And uh, yeah, and also it was, so it was great to hear him too for the Liverpool-Man City game. All right, Kartik, did you catch any of the uh, CONCACAF Champions League matches this week? Uh, I did not. Neither did I. So it's it's been a crazy week. Um, obviously, I know what the scores were, but I did not get a chance to watch the broadcast. Uh, congratulations to Toronto, uh, Toronto FC for making it through to the final, as well as uh, Chivas. So uh, no New York Red Bulls there, unfortunately. Uh, did you get a chance to watch any of the Tuesday's uh, Champions League matches? 
Yeah, so we put Juve Real Madrid on in the office, and and uh, we have uh, actually uh, visiting uh, Italian employees. So there was some uh, curious curiosity um, in that match, and it was just uh, wow. I I, uh, I underestimated Real Madrid this entire Champions League because I have uh, the mistake you made with Liverpool. I have looked at Real Madrid's domestic form and said, okay, and the the. Quite frankly, the struggles against Spurs in the group stage, the combination of that and their poor domestic form until recently, and said there's no way they're going to get by a PSG. Okay, they 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 uh, smash PSG, but then I, I I think to myself, PSG has no European pedigree. They're not coming up against Juve, who's going to want to beat them, especially after the final in Cardiff last season. Nope, uh, this match was one way. It was. Um, uh, brilliance from Ronaldo, but I one thing I really enjoyed was that Stu Holden was um, was calling the match for FS1, uh, and he made a point about Karim Benzema on that first goal by Ronaldo that a lot of um, co-commentators don't make, which is how Benzema was drawing the defense to him. Uh, obviously, Juve plays with a three-man back line, but he was he was attracting two of those central defenders, a clearing space for Ronaldo centrally mm-hmm. um, to to uh, score that first goal, and then we, we know what happened after that. So I, I thought that was an astute point by Holden. We don't often give him yeah. a lot of credit for his analysis, but that was a good point. He does a really good job. I mean, obviously, he's calling the game off the monitor, like off the tube, so he's seen the same vi- video that we're seeing. Uh, maybe he has some other camera angles available to him, um, as we do too through the Fox Sports Go app. Um, but he often does a great job of um, positionally just talking about tactically how, how players may have changed positions or moved a little bit deeper or a little bit higher up the pitch, which is hard to do when you're look, calling the game live off the monitor rather than being at a, at a stadium. At the stadium, I'm sure it'd be a lot easier. Uh, I think, yeah, he's doing a great job. I think he's coming a long way. And he still reminds me a lot of Taylor Twellman. And and that's meant to be a compliment. I mean, yeah. that, that he is that good. Um I think Taylor's still uh, better, but but Stu Holden's doing doing fantastic, and I and I have no problems with John Strong. I mean, I know a lot of people, you I mean, don't like having kind of the Fox commentators, but I think the two of them together are really strong, and and I hope that they do the uh, the World Cup final together because uh, they deserve it. I mean, Landon Donovan would be nice to have have in there too, but uh, I think you've got that good chemistry. Uh, don't mess it up. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure about that anymore because I, I agree with you. I think Colden's come a long way, and, and he's aspiring to be a Taylor Twelman. That's great. That's a, that's a, that's a lofty goal, and he's getting there. And strong, I like. So I, I'm not sure I would mess with the chemistry of uh, those two. Now that we've seen, uh, heard them call a number of European matches, and as I said, as I said uh, Holden made the point I, I would have made, uh, and was making those regularly throughout this match. Actually, I've just picked highlighted that one because it was so significant. I I don't know that I would put a third person in that booth with those two. They seem to have really developed. It's just like throwing a, a player that was injured into a team for a, a, a big match. You're not sure even if that on paper that improves you if you want to do that. And and if I'm Fox, I I stick with these two as a as my number one team. Yeah, and with this one, with it being three nil up for Real Madrid, I switched over. And actually, I switched over to Facebook Live to watch the last 20 minutes of the game between uh, Sevilla and Bayern Munich. And this one, um, there was about 36,000 <clears throat> uh, people watching, which is a good number, actually. Uh, and it's interesting, too, that uh, as I was watching it, the Facebook stream crashed for everyone. So we had to reload the page, which is not a good look for Facebook. So the number of viewers went down to, I think, I don't know, a few thousand, but then slowly went back 
back up to about 32,000 viewers. Uh, so good numbers there. And uh, Mark Rogandino and Mario Melchiot were uh, commentating this match. Um, one tip uh, for anyone that's watching uh, any games on Facebook is if you are like me and you hate those... Uh, the likes and the hearts flashing across the screen as you're trying to watch a game, which is really annoying. There is a, um, a maximize uh, button lower right where you can actually maximize the, uh, the Facebook live stream. So it's, it's full picture. And then that gets rid of all of the annoying chat and also the annoying uh, stream of, of characters floating across the, across the screen. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if they'll do that too for the next round. Um, and my guess is they will because Facebook is paying Fox uh, to broadcast those games on Facebook Live. Kartik, uh, from this past weekend, it, it, uh, let's talk about some of the other games you watched. Um, anything jumped out at you? Yeah, I, I actually didn't watch any football over the weekend. I did on Friday, which was a bank holiday in the UK, and there were a number of championship matches. I had a Hammersheim uh, AGM, our local uh, supporter-run club, had a had a friendly for Boca Raton FC and a friendly for FC Miami City, uh, which is the PSG Academy in Miami that, that I attended. So didn't see any weekend, and then just other assorted things were going on that I didn't watch any live football over the weekend. I did, however, watch just about every uh, – Highlight show. So the Bundesliga um, highlights uh, package show that they have on Fox on FS2 uh, for an hour. Watch that. Watch match of the day. Both matches of the day, including the live one or had DVR the live one that they had on Sunday. And um, and of course, the ESPN um, ESPN FC show. Uh, Takeaway from everything and from everything I was doing was the, the, the mania about Zlatan uh, and his debut with the L.A. Galaxy. I, I said on this show previously, although I'm not sure, maybe we, we didn't we, we had a technical problem on that show. But uh, as I've said in the past on Twitter and with, with uh, uh, privately to people, I, I'm really excited about Zlatan. Yes, I will watch more MLS because of Zlatan. Yes, I will watch the Galaxy every week because of Zlatan. Yes, I, I'm, I'm in that camp. Um, yeah, I, what an impressive uh, debut, though. Well, what, an what, fantastic. what an impressive debut. But my, my the, the thing I want to say, though, is that I, I there have been so many people who want to poke holes in this signing, right? American soccer journalists who want to say, well, you know, MLS doesn't really need Zlatan. Come on, it's Zlatan. OK, he's one of the top five to ten players in the world over the last decade consistently. Not a guy who had one or two good seasons. This is, as far as a number nine, the best number nine in the world over the last decade. Um, so it's Zlatan. It's not some random DP signing. Oh, well, Steven Gerrard. Well, uh, Gerrard was a great player, but he's not Zlatan. Um, there's also the off the field uh, Hollywood aspect. It gives you the PR aspect. Absolutely can't miss signing. There's no there's no ifs, ands and buts about this in yeah. spite of the, 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 uh, the opposition, the seeming opposition of people who want who are quite frankly insecure about MLS and uh, its relevance and its importance and its level. And they want to poke holes in the signing. The point I would make is that coming off of this brilliant debut, which was kind of written in the stars, right, uh, Hollywood script. There are people now saying, well, you know, maybe if he keeps it up, he can be like a Landon Donovan. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Zlatan. He, all due respect to Landon Donovan, you don't mention those two names in the same sentence. Sorry. Right. And, and they're different type of, types of players anyway, though. You, you, you know, I mean, the, the only uh, similarity I would say is, I mean, they both played for the same team. So or have done in the past, you know what I mean, right, as far right. as the Galaxy. But yeah, I, I, this was, uh, I mean, incredible goal. And uh, the only fear I have about Zlatan is if he gets injured and he's out for, you I mean, a long, a lengthy period of time. He hadn't scored a goal 
uh, in the Premier League for about a year. Um, so for him to come on in this debut, score a fantastic goal, absolutely incredible, w- was fantastic to see. And and I was um, this past weekend on Saturday, I was in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, at an Irish pub called McDinton's. And uh, so for the Man United Swansea game, I watched that there. And then they had um, I was involved in a, a Sabudio uh, tournament, so I was playing Sabudio table soccer. And we had uh, Bayern Munich against Dortmund on uh, a bunch of the TVs, and then LA Galaxy, LAFC on a bunch of the other TVs. And we were trying to play and and watch the games at the same time, which is hard to do. Uh, but uh, I mean, everyone went went crazy when the, the Zlatan goal went in, and also the comeback to win it four three at, at the end. That was a brilliant to see. Uh, the Bayern Dortmund game. Uh, I don't. I, I didn't get to watch the, the whole game, but Kartik, this is just uh, horrible. I mean, when you have the two top teams in the Bundesliga, and you think, okay, this is going to be a huge game. Put it on Fox. Maybe it's going to be a four-three encounter or something entertaining of that sort. To have it be six-nil, uh, to me, it's just a really sad. And and it was five goal at halftime. Yeah, it, it was. It was over at halftime. It was just a really sad indictment of of the Bundesliga. I mean, to me, it's just. To, I don't think unless you're a Bayern Munich fan, and I'm sure you're raving about this one. I mean, Dortmund is just so poor. It just. Uh, I don't. I, I don't think it's a good look for the Bundesliga. No, it's not at all. And, and quite honestly, this is uh, this is why so many people tell me they don't watch the Bundesliga, even though I will argue with them and tell them, look, it's really competitive uh, beyond Bayern. The, the stadium atmospheres are the best in Europe. Uh, the production quality is getting to the level of the Premier League. You should give it a try. And FS1 and FS2 are doing a, a fairly good job of, of, of making it accessible. You should give it a shot. No, I don't want to. It's the Bayern League. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the, the stylized uh, uh, abbreviation B-U-L-I, uh, some of uh, the people I know on Twitter just changed it to B-A-L-I um, <laughs> to indicate what they think of, uh, of the league. So that's uh, the, it's it's you, you have those discussions, Chris, and then. A match like this happens, which is the showcase match of the season, and you're disarmed. I can't make the argument yeah. uh, back to those people anymore. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if 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 but the Bundesliga could fix the Bayern Munich issue, then this would be a, a more appealing league to watch. I mean, I, I've watched more Bundesliga this season than I've ever done. I've in, I enjoy the league. I enjoy the fans. Enjoy the atmosphere, the stadiums. Um, a lot of the things that are appealing to it, and teams like RB Leipzig, which have been a joy to watch this season, but uh, yeah, it's just a huge turnoff, unfortunately. Um, LA Galaxy, LAFC, I mean, it was huge this weekend. I think on Saturday is uh, Atlanta United against LAFC, so and then LA Galaxy plays on Sunday uh, against Sporting Kansas City on FS1. now. Here's the big thing that is going to have to be discussed, and I'll just raise it here, and maybe we're going to do it in greater detail in the future. They, the yeah, And LAFC has been a great story, and I, I want to give credit to Carlos Vela. He really had a, had a nice uh, match the other day that's been overshadowed by Zlatan. But ESPN and FS1 have loaded up on LAFC matches now in, in their in their programming schedule, the way they did Atlanta last year, the way they did Orlando and New York City FC in 2015. That's been a story. Now Zlatan is across town. They don't have enough Galaxy game matches. If you go look at the national oh, really? television, huh. there are not enough Galaxy games on the schedule. Well, I mean, just like the Premier League, though, Major League Soccer could change some of these schedules around. It could, uh, Although they don't do it to the extent that the Premier League does it. 
Uh, it's possible they could make some changes, but uh, that is interesting, though. I, I know LAFC is loaded up, uh, so maybe they'll just try to play that um, LAFC, LA Galaxy rivalry off by playing by showing a lot of the LAFC games on national television and go that route, hoping that LAFC does really well. There's a lot of competition between the two teams. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting, though, Kartik. We'll have to keep an eye out for that one. Uh, Chelsea against Spurs on Sunday. Um, this was uh, a good game, uh, although I thought Arlo White was unnecessarily overhyping the Premier League. I mean, it was a really good goal by Christian Eriksen, uh, the equaliser. And uh, but Arlo White saying it's one of the goals of the season. It was nice, yes. Was it goal of the season contender? Uh, I don't think so. No way. But with uh, Caballero in goal for um, for Chelsea, not moving at all, it made the, go- the the goal look a lot better than it was. And I think uh, any decent goalkeeper should have saved that. What do you think, Kartik? Yeah, I mean it was from distance. It was uh, Caballero reacted late. Uh, although I, I have to say, uh, in defense of him, he made a couple of really good saves in the second half yeah. uh, to keep it to keep it at one one for a while before. Uh, uh, I, I think the bigger issue than Caballero was uh, Christensen being out and Cahill playing in that position for Chelsea. But yeah, I thought that there was a uh, there was a lot of overhyping going on uh, in, in terms of shots from distance and goals on calls in general where there is a keeper error or the defense, the defense doesn't close down space. I think we're seeing this more and more from commentators where they'll rave about a, a, a shot from distance like Ericsson's uh, or Oxley Chamberlain's against uh, Manchester city in, in the champions league. But there are the, the really neat, intricate nine, 10, 11 move goals that you, that, that you also see that don't quite get the, uh, the, the, um, the recognition, which, um, you know, it's funny because uh, on ESPN FC every week, uh, uh, or Paul Mariner picks out his best goals of the week. And a lot of times uh, Mariner, because of his orientation, picks out the, the, the goal, number one, that has the, the, the nice passing move. The six guys touch the ball. Uh, there's a lot of passing and moving on, on the way to goal. And the other guys in the studio will be like, oh, well, that's not the top goal. You just had a, a screamer from from uh, Cavani. And, and why isn't that number one? So. Um, I, I think this is an ongoing thing with, with soccer commentary and co-commentary, this whole issue of, of these goals from distance when in many cases it's because the keeper makes an error or the defender doesn't close down space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news. And uh, we finally have a launch date uh, for ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, so uh, ESPN Plus will launch uh, uh, around the corner, actually, as, as we record this uh, show on April 12th. Uh, uh, and th- there's a lot of uh, lot of talk this week about it. There's going to be um, uh, a, a, an abundance of soccer in addition to baseball and hockey. And, and uh, 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 somehow they're having PGA Tour on there. I'm not quite sure how they do that when they don't they, they don't have the rights on television to the PGA Tour. But um, they are and tennis. There's to be a lot at that $4.99 price point per month. The other thing that's interesting, Chris, is that they're going to integrate it into the uh, what they call the reimagined ESPN app for iOS and Google Play. Well, all that means is that they're, re, they're, 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 they're um, reformulating the app, but you will be able to access ESPN Plus from your watch ESPN app. 
uh, or, or from the, excuse me, not from the Watch ESPN app, but, but from the ESPN app. So uh, that's kind of interesting. It's not going to be uh, on its own own with its own app or you have to go to a dedicated landing site uh, to, to, to access it. It's going to be built in, which I think is also an advertising tool, right? Because um, if you're going to the ESPN app for something else, they've got this in your face. Yeah, it's a little bit confusing, though. I'll have to wait and see once it launches to see how it works, because for, for the, the the average person, you know, sports fan in the, in the United States, you've got Watch ESPN, you've got ESPN3, you've got now ESPN+. Plus. And I, I can imagine that there's going to be some confusion in the marketplace about okay, which is which? What what does this one do? What this what does this one uh, what does this one not do? Um, and the, the 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 most most important thing to remember that for ESPN Plus is that it is standalone in terms of uh, for cord cutters. If you want to watch out of market Major League Soccer games, you can watch these through here, uh, but it does not include the national. Uh, games on ESPN, the main the main flagship network. Now you still have to have a cable uh, or satellite subscription plan or, or uh, Sling Orange to be able to see those games. Uh, and ESPN Plus is separate to that. But we have to wait and see because I uh, in the press release in the announcement about this one, it didn't mention the championship or League One or League Two. So I followed up with ESPN to find out what the deal is in terms of okay, right, great, it's got MLS games out of market, but what about everything else? And according to ESPN, they said that uh, more details on our soccer programming lineup on ESPN Plus will be forthcoming. So to me, reading between the lines, um, that probably says that there's a good chance. That maybe Serie A, uh, maybe the FA Cup, uh, maybe a lot of these uh, uh, Nations League uh, games that are going to be coming up uh, starting in the what in September. Uh, a lot of these games could be available exclusively through ESPN Plus. We won't know for sure until we get the official word, but that's what it's saying to me is that for the European soccer fans, there will be more news coming, and they're probably waiting to see what what happens with a lot of these rights, what they can gobble up, and then at that time uh, make an announcement where they can say, "Okay, we've got this, 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 this." Uh, what do you think, Kartik? Could be the FA Cup also. Uh, FA Cup in Serie A, which we know is, is being shot by IMG, the global media partner for uh, that has those rights. Uh, so that would be interesting because I think if Serie A ends up on ESPN Plus, there are going to be now, obviously, Serie A ratings aren't great, but the people who watch that league watch that league and will pay, I, I sense, will probably pay to watch that league if they have to. They have no other choice. They'll drop the cable tier that gets them be in and transfer that money per month to, um, to ESPN Plus. So that actually could be a winning play for, for ESPN as they launch this OTT service to, to pick up Serie A in particular. The, the good thing about uh, ESPN, if they did get Serie A, is that uh, they already have Serie A rights uh, internationally. So oftentimes people right. like um, uh, Mark, uh, actually, I'm trying to think of uh, some of the names of the guys. Stu- Shaka His, uh, Mark Donaldson and Shaka Hislop do games. Uh, yeah, and, and Stuart Robson. I can see Stuart and Robson Stuart, do, Stuart do Robson some does. games too, where they're already commentating on those games already out of Bristol, Connecticut, but they're doing it for different markets. Sometimes it's for the Caribbean. Sometimes it's for Australasia, um, so on and so forth. So I could see them quite possibly actually it'd be a nice easy easy segue for ESPN to acquire those rights and then um use those announcers for the ESPN that, plus that's how I initially got uh, 
got exposed to Robbie Musto, who's gone on to great things with NBC covering the Premier League, was watching Serie A matches back at the beginning of the watch, uh, not even watch ESPN. What was it then? Not even ESPN 3. ESPN 360. Remember that way back when? And it was usually Musto uh, with Derek Ray calling uh, Serie A matches out of Bristol. And then I thought, oh, this guy's really good. <laughs> this former Middlesbrough player that, that I'd watched and I yep. knew who he was. But, uh, so ESPN does, has had experience for years doing uh, that with Serie A. And at that time, they did have the digital rights in the U.S. market. So th- we saw those matches. Yeah, the challenge with this is that it's not a cord cutter solution for ESPN+. Plus. I mean, if you're a cord cutter and you just want to get all the MLS games and all the championship games and all I mean, all these these games that you're interested in that they have rights to in the United States, this is not going to provide it with ESPN+. Plus. It's going to be kind of a, a halfway measure, very similar to uh, Premier League Pass from NBC Sports Gold. Uh, it's going to give you exclusive access to certain games, but uh, but not everything. But it's a nice segue. I mean, ESPN probably may never have a uh, cord cutting solution completely, uh, but it's this is kind of an in between that's going to satisfy some people, bring in some revenue. Uh, I mean, five bucks a month is pretty easy, but yeah, I don't know. ESPN gets more money out of cable subscriptions than any other network, right? Their carriage rate is much higher than any other network. So I think uh, they're good. Disney in general is going to be more resistant to, 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 to cord cutting than anyone else. And that's why they, they for years have been terrified about the possibility of a la carte cable coming because uh, so many people, if they can opt out of a channel, will just opt out of the ESPN channels because it would, if you had a la carte pricing, it would reduce people's cable bills more than any any, any other potential combination of removing channels. All right, Kartik, let's move on. So the next piece of news is that uh, Turner Sports has released more details about its streaming service that will include the UEFA Champions League and Europa League. It's going to be called Bleacher Report Live, and it's going to launch on April 7th. Uh, it looks pretty good uh, it, in terms of the way it's set up. Um, it's going to be available on Apple and Android and the web. It's going to launch, like I said, uh, April 7th, and then uh, it's going to be free all the way through till about June. After June, it's going to be a paid subscription service, and it's going to have all of the Europa League games except for the final, which will be on television, and then uh, about half of the UEFA Champions League games uh, starting in August uh, and then thereafter. It's. Uh, it looks like it's going to be an opportunity that you'll be able to uh, subscribe to on a per-game basis. Uh, or on a monthly plan. Uh, those details haven't been worked out. It's interesting that they're uh, coining the, the service Bleacher Report Live rather than using a Turner Sports name. But uh, Turner Sports uh, acquired Bleacher Report Live, I think, uh, a few years ago for, I think, $175 million. So it, that's part of the uh, Turner Sports empire. It's, it's meant to be a very digital-friendly, kind of a very uh, kind of millennial type of service, kind of a very, I mean, uh, hip uh, service, but we'll have to wait and see uh, how it works out when it launches. Yeah, Turner has been, I, I think they've been of two minds on how to use the Bleacher Report brand. Uh, they, um, I, on CNN, on a lot of their news programs, if they have a sports segment or a sports report, it'll be, uh, quote, brand, it'll be branded as, as quote, Bleacher Report. Uh, but at other times, they just have the flat out report. And I haven't seen much use of the, of the Bleacher Report uh, moniker uh, on other Turner programming that I've watched, uh, including the PGA Championship and in, in co- college basketball. So um, this is interesting that they're using Bleacher Report. They're using that brand uh, to um, to 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 um, 
launch this service or to actually brand this service as as, uh, as Bleacher Report uh, rather than uh, Turner Sports. Let's hope that doesn't cause confusion because we know that so uh, most soccer fans in this country know that the Champions League is moving Turner, which is TNT, True TV, and TBS. They may not associate Bleacher Report at all with the Turner brand, and it might create some brand confusion. Uh, now, obviously, we there, there's a couple months to 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 get through that, but that's a concern I have. Absolutely. All right, Kartik, let's move on to some news uh, south of the border. Yeah, so Comnebol has awarded the Copa America 2019 contract for TV rights to MP and Silva, who will then sell the rights to the tournament to TV broadcasters worldwide. The 2019 Copa will be in Brazil. Uh, now, uh, for the U.S. market, maybe Univision jumps in if the U.S. is in it as well. Mexico will be, uh, we assume, will be in the tournament as an invited country, although there's been uh, some controversy, Chris, recently about the kind of squads Mexico has sent to the Copa, uh, these kind of B squad slash youth squads, U23 teams, essentially. Uh, the U.S. did that the last time the U.S. was in a Copa in South America, which was in 2007 in Venezuela. There's also been some talk of Japan being invited because the tournament is in Brazil and, and presumably they would take it maybe more seriously than, than Mexico or the United States. We will wait and see, but I think uh, from the MP and Silva standpoint, it would be great for them to have Mexico and the United States in the tournament. It makes it much easier to sell uh, the rights, uh, particularly in this country. Uh, you have to have Mexico in the tournament to, to make it a valuable property in the United States, uh, but also globally. I think that that certainly enhances the tournament. In other news, uh, Chivas uh, uh, Club de Guadalajara have been uh, dropped by Univision uh, for summer 2019 onwards. So according to one of my sources that uh, Univision has decided not to renew the contract with Chivas. Um, in Liga MX uh, in the United States, each of the TV rights is owned on a club-by-club -club basis. So Univision has to do deals with each independent uh, club. And uh, for whatever reason, Chivas is uh, actually Univision has decided not to renew the deal with Chivas. So as of uh, the summer of 2019, that's going to change. What we don't know is where those rights will go to, whether they'll go to uh, Telemundo or perhaps Chivas TV, which could uh, broadcast the games exclusively um, online and have people uh, watch them that way. So it's definitely a story to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, this could be an entry point for uh, uh, Telemundo back into Liga Mekis, uh rights, which would be massive for them. Uh, in other news, Mike Cujo has announced a two-year partnership with uh, the USASA, the United States Adult Soccer Association. Under the agreement, Mike Cujo and USASA will be live streaming competitions sanctioned by the USASA in 2018 and 2019, including the Adult Soccer Fest, the Amateur Cup, and the Heinz Hank Steinbrecher Cup. This is great to get uh, adult soccer on a platform which shows a lot of soccer in general. So uh, I think that's a big coup for USASA, and I, I hope it goes well. In our last piece of news in this section, it's uh, a new study has revealed that the number of cord cutters in the United States has tripled in the last five years to 14.1 million households. That represents 11% of U.S. households. 70% uh, of U.S. households have a over-the-top service as well as cable. So that could be, for example, Netflix and cable, or uh, you mean cable and Fubo, or you mean, for example, so it, it's definitely increasing and uh, some worrying signs for the traditional cable satellite uh, providers 
But then at the same time, we have, we've seen DirecTV, we've seen uh, ESPN, a lot of these players, Comcast too, a lot of these co companies have developing their own streaming services and technology. So they're trying to change with the times. But uh, interesting that 11% uh, of U.S. households now are cord cutters. Yeah, and AT&T, as you said, proactive. They uh, are aggressive. Yes, I can attest to pushing DirecTV now uh, as, a, as a platform, particularly the millennials, knowing that court cutting is it's a reality. You can't avoid it. All right, TV ratings. Um, so we missed last week's episode because of technical difficulties. So we will uh, review some of those numbers as well as um, this past week's weekend's numbers too. So as of last week, last week's show, we, it was international break. Uh, we survived it. Uh, some of the numbers that came out of that were very illuminating. So, for example, Mexico against Iceland on the Friday night was 2.3 million. And that was on Univision and Univision Deportes Network. Uh, then you had on the Tuesday game, you had the Mexico against Croatia game. And that had 2 million viewers uh, on Unamas and uh, Univision Deportes Network. Uh, then you had the um, USA game. So the USA game against Paraguay on FS1 on the Tuesday was 337,000. And then uh, that same game that was also on Univision Deportes Network, that one had 588,000 viewers, almost double the number of viewers that uh, FS1 had. And then you had Mexico against Croatia, which was also on FS1, and that had 195,000 viewers, which is pitiful. And especially with Fox going all in on L3, uh, I think someone was, I'm not sure if they were joking or being serious, but they said that Alexi Lalas said that uh, FS1 is the home of L3. Uh, well, that home is is bare bones. It looks run down. It looks like it's uh, a disaster zone because 195,000 viewers for a big game between Mexico and Croatia on a Tuesday is is awful. Then we have some of the other numbers. So the, some of the club soccer numbers. Thank God club soccer's back. Uh, we had 1.4 million for Club America against Cruz Azul on Univision on the Saturday night. Uh, Tigres against Lyon on Univision, 927,000 viewers. Cool. So again, some big numbers for uh, Liga Mekis and not just Club America, not just uh, Chivas. We've got some other clubs getting uh, large numbers too. Then you've got uh, the weekend games, Kartik. So we had, I know there was a lot of, curiosity and wonder about how Bayern Munich would do against uh, Dortmund TV numbers wise as well as uh, Everton against Man City which were at the same time well the Everton Man City game had 686,000 viewers and then the uh, Bayern Dortmund game which do I have it here in the list yes I do 352,000 viewers so almost double from Everton Man City and the Everton Man City game actually which was on the, the pub I was at too seemed to be a pretty one-sided uh, affair well so did the Bayern Dortmund game too um, and that was on Big Fox versus Big NBC so you can see the difference between where the Bundesliga is and where the Premier League is and um, the gulf between those two then of course you had LA Galaxy against, against LAFC uh, part of Fox's doubleheader and um, that was a positive sign, I thought. 352,000 for Bayern Dortmund. So uh, that number uh, increased to 565,000 for LA Galaxy against LAFC on that same channel. So that's a good sign. People are tuning in just to watch, uh, well, Zlatan, uh, obviously, but also LA Galaxy and LAFC. So um, uh, impressive numbers there. Anything else, Kartik, that jumps out at you? There's, there's some other numbers in this list. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think the number that jumped out at, at me overall is that Univision got more viewers for the U.S. match in in carry against uh, Paraguay than uh, twice as many viewers as uh, as uh, FS1 did. I, I mean, that's just to me an absolute stunner. Um, when, when it comes down to it. So, uh, or maybe not twice as much. It was 588 versus 337, but a significant gap. Paraguay is not, uh, you can say, well, Paraguay is a uh, South American country. They don't have many expats or fans in the United States. So I think that's a lot of English language, dominant U.S. fans deciding to watch the match on Univision, something I've been doing now for a year since the Mexico match at Azteca last season, uh, last year, last June. If a match is on FS1, a U.S. match, uh, Generally, I'm watching uh, a, a Univision or Telemundo or Univision uh, for U.S. matches and Telemundo for, for other things. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see if that happens uh, this summer at the World Cup, if we have a lot of viewers switching to watch games on Telemundo instead of on Fox. But, um, yeah, obviously we'll, we'll, we'll pay close attention to that one when those numbers came out, come out uh, this summer from, the, from uh, June to July. All right, listener, listener mailbag. Let's move on to that. Um, the first up is from Edition by Relegation. He sent us this tweet. He says, I watched the Dallas against Portland match uh, a couple of Saturdays ago. Downloaded the MLS Live app to my Apple TV, and it was just like watching a game on television. I was worried I'd have comments floating across the screen or something weird like that, but was pleasantly surprised by the experience. So that that's good news. Um, and now, addition by relegation, but other uh, MLS fans and other soccer fans will have to get ad- adjusted to the change again from the MLS Live, uh, which is going away and moving everything to the ESPN Plus platform. So it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment, but hopefully the, the quality of the streams and will be just as good. John Patrick Manning tweeted us this. He says, I watched the Ireland rugby, uh, Ireland-England rugby match myself uh, a couple of weeks ago. Keep in mind the unique cultural aspect of the game played on St. Patrick's Day in London, in which Ireland is world-class, uh, had clinched the Six Nations Championship and England was number two. And this goes back to the TV viewing numbers, talking about how the, the number for that on NBC was was greater than the most Major League Soccer games and uh, just kind of uh, showing some of the, the challenges that Major League Soccer has and, and, and the Bundesliga and, and other leagues uh, against uh, rugby, which is definitely not a major sport in this country by any means. And there's far more soccer fans and rugby fans, but still interesting and uh, good feedback there from John Patrick Manning. Coachy Ball Games posted this on uh, this comment on WorldSoccerTalk.com. He says, um, the golden age of soccer on TV in the U.S. is truly over. We'll need to pay way more in subscription fees to various providers than cable satellite ever cost just to approximate the, the access we once enjoyed. Never was a truer word spoken. I think yep. this Kartik. I think it's going to cost us a lot more money, especially next season. You look at ESPN Plus. You look at NBC's Sports Gold. You look at Bleacher Report Live, and that's just to get your Premier League, uh, Champions League, and uh, Major League Soccer out of markets. Um, there's probably going to be some other services out there too. I mean, depending on what you watch. I mean, if um, Grant Wall posted a question this week on Twitter and he said, like, I'm thinking about cutting the cord, but I want to watch all my major European soccer leagues. I want to watch Copa Libertadores. I want to watch out-of-market MLS (laughs) games. And so he said, like, so which streaming service is going to cater to me for all all that? And I'm like, 
there's no one service that has that. There's, you'd have to have three or four services that would uh, give you that coverage. So it's it's a challenge. It's not easy. I mean, for Copa Libertadores, you have to uh, you have to have uh, Fanatis, which has all of the games. I mean, for out of market MLS games, it's ESPN Plus, and then for international games and all the top European leagues, I said Sling Orange Plus Blue, which gives you all of those. But then if you want to be in Sports Connect. And some of those games that are the, you mean, everything from Liga to La Liga to Serie A, etc. You need uh, iGoal or Fubo, so you need four or five streaming services. It's it's crazy, and, and so if know. you're Grant, if you're Grant, you're probably paying more. It's my guess. Well, I think you're paying less. I still think, really? but, but once you add the internet access on. Uh, that that's the key, right? Is that a lot of these streaming companies, a lot of these cable companies, own the pipes, own own the kind of the streaming services. So AT and T, Directv, I mean Directv now uh, has AT and T Fiber and AT and T, I mean service. And then you've got say a um, a Comcast, you mean the Comcast offers all these different things. Um, but then you mean you can cut the cord and get rid of Comcast but you might need them for the streaming services so they can increase the price of the streaming services to try to keep you as a cable subscriber rather than just switching to a streaming service. Um, hopefully, the more competition... It depends where you live, too. The hopefully, hopefully, the more competition that's out there, the better quality of service and price you can get for your streaming. But to me, that's what it comes down to, is that streaming service. You can get a good deal on that, then you can cut the cord and save money. Otherwise, you're paying about the same. Or sometimes more, depending on, depending on what you're getting. Again, it's out, it's down to each individual soccer fan what you want to watch and what the best service is for you based on that. Um, but it isn't easy. <laughs> All right. Um, one more uh, uh, listener mailbag, and that's Joe from Baltimore, and he emailed this question us this question. He says, now that Major League Soccer is a couple of weeks into the season, I'm curious if MLS Live has seen an increase in streaming viewers year, year over year, given that the service is currently free. Personally, I was not a MLS Live subscriber prior to this season, but have loved watching the crew each week. He says, save the crew and plan to become a ESPN Plus subscriber. The challenge is, is that we don't know what those numbers are. So MLS doesn't release the number of people that are subscribing to MLS Live. Uh, I'm sure those numbers have uh, increased considerably with uh, the games being available for free. Um, so we don't know what that, that number is. And we won't know what that number is, even with ESPN Plus 2, whether it's a big drop off or it's, or it's an increase. Uh, if there's good numbers to share and those numbers are... So good. I'm sure that they'll announce them, but they haven't said any, anything. So um, we'll have to wait and see. All right. You can always reach us via email um, at web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. Um, I, I, I'm sorry. Facebook.com slash worldsoccer and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk as well as, of course, worldsoccertalk.com. If you have any questions, feedback, uh, anything like that, we'd love to read it out on air. All right, Kartik, so uh, where can listeners find you on the internet if they want to read about your ranting and raving and, and interviews and articles, etc.? 
Yeah, so you can find me on the internet at, uh, well, on Twitter at KKFLA737. That's the easiest place to find me. Uh, you can send me a DM. My DMs are open. And then uh, various places on the web, obviously, like worldsoccertalk.com and uh, other uh, locales online. I thought Twitter was the internet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I made that mistake before, right? <laughs> you asked me this question that I just call, <laughs> declared Twitter to be the internet. The president certainly, President Trump certainly thinks so. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, and, of course, worldsoccertalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review. In Kartik, with a big weekend of uh, soccer this weekend as well as uh, Champions League next week uh, what should they do? We're in the home stretch of the European club season so everyone's going to enjoy their football <laughs> <laughs>